welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the first morning service of Sunday the 26th of February 2017, entitled God's Manhunt, and the Bible reading is taken from 1 Kings chapter 17. Here's Brother Dave Kistler. Verse 1 of chapter 17, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. By the way, I've said it several times while we've been here this week. Uh, we were in Israel two years ago. We're going back in April. And while we were in Israel, I tried to figure out where is Tishbe. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. Now we know where Gilead was. It was a region. But do you know nobody can say with absolute certainty where Tishbe was? Uh, they know it was somewhere, but today we don't really know. We don't can't positively identify where Tishbe was. So my point is this. As far as we know, Elijah was from a nowhere place, okay? We can't really identify where he's from. I hear this all the time. You know, Brother Dave, I'm from a rural area of the United States of America. How could God use me? I'm from a nowhere place. I'm basically a nobody person. Can I say this? God specializes in using nobodies and turning them into somebodies. So don't ever discount what God can do in your life. Look again at verse number one. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, wow, this is a bold proclamation, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these three years, but according to my word. Now, in essence, what he's saying is this, King, it ain't going to rain unless I say so. Wow, that's a bold proclamation. Now, after making that statement to Ahab the king, Elijah disappears off the scene, and he does not see Ahab the king. Ahab does not see him for a little bit longer than three years. Uh, during those three years, there is a famine in the land of Israel like you could not imagine. Can you imagine what it would be like to go three years without rain? Brian, in our part of the state of North Carolina, back in uh, the month of of January, we had some wildfires. In fact, you may have seen it on the news over here. Wildfires that literally spread through the western part of the state of North Carolina because we had not had rain in about four months. I'm not saying three years. We hadn't had rain in four months. And literally some of those fires were within just literally a couple of miles of where our house sits. In fact, I was driving into town coming from another state where I'd been preaching. And off in the distance, I saw this smoke going up. And I thought, what in the world is that? I thought somebody maybe was burning some some uh, trash, which they do allow to be done in North Carolina at certain times. And I thought maybe that's gotten out of hand and that's what's accounting for that. I had no idea. That was the beginning of these wildfires that spread across the part of the state. And some of the People in our church literally had to evacuate their homes because the fires were going to be coming to their homes. And they said, look, your homes are going to be a total loss. One man stood up in our church and said, I had to evacuate. But he said, I came to church and asked you guys to pray. And the Lord sent wind and turned the fire another direction and it went over the backside of the mountain away from the houses. And my home as well as the homes of other people were spared. I ought to hear an amen right there. But it was very, very close to us. Can you imagine going three years without rain? There was a famine to beat all famines going on in the land of Israel. Now, after those three years, I want you to look over to chapter 18 of the book of 1 Kings. After three years plus, God speaks to the ear of his prophet and he says, look, it's time for you to go back and speak to Ahab again. And look at verse 1 of chapter 18. And it came to pass after many days. We know those many days turns out to be a little bit in excess of three years. That the word of the Lord came unto Elijah in the third year saying, go show thyself unto Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. Watch verse 2. And and Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine, a grievous famine 
in the land. Well, I guess so. If you hadn't had rain in three years, I would say all the crops have died and there is a grievous famine. Drop over to verse number 17 of 1 Kings 18. And it came to pass... When Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Now, guys, look up at me. Let me explain something. It sounds like Ahab is asking a question. By the way, it's been in excess of three years. You know, everybody changes in three years. Uh, except Brian. Brother Brian doesn't change since the first time I met him. He looks as young as the first time I met him. But basically the rest of us change a little bit over the course of three years. Three years can change a person's appearance a little bit as they age. And so a lot of people have assumed that what Ahab the king is saying when he sees Elijah approaching, he's saying, uh, is that you, the one who's been troubling Israel? Can I say he's not asking a question? He's issuing an accusation. Literally what he's saying is, is that you, you troublemaker? In other words, the problem in Israel is you, the prophet. I want you to notice something. And by the way, as preachers, guys, those of you that are called ladies, that are called into some aspect of ministry, I want you to notice what Elijah does. He does not take that accusation lying down. Look again at verse number 17. And it came to pass that when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Are, 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 you the, are you that troublemaker that's created so much issues in our country? Look at verse 18. And he, Elijah, answered, I have not troubled Israel. King, I'm not the problem. And by the way, in your country, in my country, the preachers that stand up and courageously preach the word of God, though we may be maligned and criticized, and in my country they say, you know what, if Dave Kistler had just stopped standing where God stands on the issue of marriage and saying, you know, in the state of North Carolina, which I've said a lot about it, marriage is between a man and a woman. God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Are you with me? And marriage is between a man and a woman. Oh, if Dave Kistler would just keep his mouth shut and this bill that was passed in our legislature called HB2, House Bill, bill 2, that says if you're a man, you use a men's restroom. If you're a woman, you use a woman's Would you ever believe you have to have legislation that teaches us, you know, what we grew up knowing to be the case? I mean, this is insane. Oh, Dave, you need to be quiet. If you can just be quiet about it, everything will be okay. You're the problem, Dave. No, I'm not the problem. Neither was Elijah. King, I'm not the one that's troubled Israel. Well, who's the problem? Look at what else Elijah says. This is courageous stuff. I have not troubled Israel, but thou, you, sir, you, you and your father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and has followed, notice the last word of verse number 18, Balaam. Literally, Balaam is plural for Baal. You've, you've forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. And there were a multiplicity of the Baal gods. There were many of them. What you've done, king, is you've forsaken God. You've followed the Baals. I'm not the problem you are. Wow. This is courageous stuff. Look at verse 19. Elijah doesn't stop there. He goes on and says, Now therefore send, he's talking to the king, Therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel. And the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the Groves, 400, which, notice this phrase, I love this, which eat at Jezebel's table. Jezebel was the queen. Do you know she was sustaining the prophets of the Groves and the prophets of Baal? She was feeding them. She was keeping them up. What you have here, Brother Brian, is government-funded religion. 
Oh, government ought to stay out of the religion business. Listen, folks, we all have a worldview that we bring to the table. Do you know in my country, and by the way, in your country here in the UK, that the God of heaven and the Bible and biblical truth is really that upon which this nation and certainly what my nation was founded upon. And people are saying all the time, God ought to have no influence whatsoever. God's always had an influence in the affairs of government, and He should. What's going on here is the prophets of Baal are being sustained by the queen. So what Elijah says is I want you to gather everybody to Mount Carmel because what we're going to do is we're going to have a contest. Now, I want you to look up at me for just a minute. I am a sports fanatic, okay? I played a lot of football in high school and really a whole lot more basketball in high school and I love sports. But can I say this? If you're going to have a contest, there are three things you don't normally choose to do if you want to win a contest. By the way, Elijah does all three things that you should never do if you want to win an athletic competition or any kind of contest. You say, Brother Dave, what does he do? The first thing he does is this. He says, look, we're going to have ourselves a contest. He wants you to gather everybody together to Mount Carmel. By the way, we were there on the top of Mount Carmel. I looked around, trying to figure out where all this happened. And Elijah did in 1 Kings chapter 17. I think I picked out the spot. Because there's only a few spots where that could have happened. But Mount Carmel, guys, was the center of Baal worship in Israel. So what Elijah is saying is this. We're going to have a contest, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you on on your home turf. We're going to take you on on your pitch, your field, your playing surface. You know, normally you want home field advantage, right? Well, Elijah says, I don't need home field advantage because I've got the God of heaven on my side. So we're going to take you on on your home turf. By the way, yesterday, down in the city center, you know, for the most part, that has been the domain of the Muslim community. They're over there under their little tent. You know, they got their guy again. They're making them go, oh, 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 you know. Again, just don't, don't give up your day job yet. Okay, all right. But anyway, that's been their territory. You know what was so amazing yesterday was to watch God's people invade territory normally occupied by the enemies of the cross and the enemies of the gospel. And to watch your faces. I, honestly, I was about to do cartwheels there. I was so excited watching your faces and watching the response of people to young people singing so joyfully and bringing the truth of the gospel. What we did is we took them on yesterday on their home turf and God won. Amen. It was awesome. And our dear brother back here had a chance to lead someone to Jesus while you guys were singing. It was absolutely amazing. What Elijah says, look, we're going to take you on on your own home turf. All right, look at verse number 20. Now stay with me. It's very, very important. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, 1 Kings 18, verse 20, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said unto them, How long? What's the next word? How long? Halt. H-A-L-T. By the way, halt is not German. Halt. Stop. Okay, that's not what it means. Uh, the word halt there is an interesting word. By the way, it goes elsewhere to the book of Genesis. First time the word is used. You remember there was a night when Jacob wrestled with an angel? And the, the angel said, let me go. And Jacob grabbed hold of that angel and said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Now there's probably, that angel was probably a pre-incarnate uh, appearance of Jesus Christ. All right, called a, 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 a Christophany or a Theophany. And he grabs hold of this angel and said, look, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And you know what the angel does? To get loose from Jacob's grip. He wanted God's blessing so bad. And by the way, when we want God's blessing that bad, we'll get it. Yeah. To get Jacob to let go, the angel touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and put his thigh out of joint. 
And the next morning, the Bible says, and Jacob halted upon his side. Jacob word halt means limp. Jacob's limp, he walked with a different walk, with a limp the rest of his life when he had that encounter with God. By the way, when we have an encounter with God, we'll walk differently as well. Now watch. Elijah asked a very interesting question. How long halt, literally how long limp ye, why is he mentioning that? Stay with me. How long limp ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Now watch the reaction of all the people. And the people answered him not a word. In other words, if God's God, serve him. If Baal's God, serve him. People don't say a word. I mean, they're scratching their head going, who in the world is this guy? What is he trying to do? Well, look at verse 22. Then said Elijah unto the people, I even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullets, two bulls. Let them choose one bullet for themselves, cut it in pieces, lay it on wood, and put no... What is the next four-letter word? Put no what underneath it? What's the word said out loud? Put no fire under. Now watch, this is very important. Put no fire under, and I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no... What's the word again? fire under and call you on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. Notice the word Lord is in all caps. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Anytime you see that, it means Jehovah. It's the personal name of God. You call on your God, I'm going to call on Jehovah and the God that answereth by... Third time he's mentioned the word. What's the word? Fire, let him be God. You say, why all the mention of fire? Now, I'm just saying this is very important. If you want to win a contest, you don't take your enemy on their own home turf. Elijah does. You want to win a contest, you don't generally do this either. You don't set up the circumstances of the contest to your opponent's advantage. But that's exactly what Elijah's doing because he's mentioning fire. Do you understand in the days of Elijah, Baal, the Baalim, the Baal gods, one of the things they specialized in was bringing lightning and fire from heaven? Baal was the fire god. So Elijah says, look, we're going to have ourselves a contest. We'll take you on your home turf. Here's the conditions of the contest. Let the deity that answers by fire be declared the winner. Don't you watch the abrupt response in the people. Look at the response. When he mentions that, call you on the name of your gods, I will call on the name of the Lord. Let the God that answers by fire, verse 24, let him be God. Now watch the people's response. They go from saying nothing to saying this. And all the people answered and said, it is well Spoken. In other words, yeah, buddy. With those words, you bet. Because they're thinking, this guy's a nut. Man, what is he doing? Does he understand our God is the specialist at sending fire from him? We got him now. Can I tell you, Elijah sort of say knows something. No, he doesn't know. He knows someone. The prophets of hell don't know. He knows the God of heaven. By the way, Daniel 11.35 says this, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And we're about to watch some exploits for the God of heaven. So he takes them on on their home turf, sets up the conditions of the contest to his opponent's advantage. Now look at verse 25. He does a third thing, which is absolutely amazing. Verse 25, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it... What's the next word? First. Now here's what he's doing. I'm going to take you on your home turf... Going to set up the conditions of the contest to your distinct advantage. And I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> By the way, any of you follow American football? Okay. <laughs> 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 What's your, you go! 
see, baby. Oh, my Listen, I, I'm an Alabama fan, okay? Alabama Crimson Tide. Anybody ever watched Alabama football game on this? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Lord forgive me. <laughs> that gets to choose to kick the football off yeah. or to receive it. Yeah. Most teams, if they win the toss for the game, they want to receive the football because they want to get the opportunity they say in the States to draw first blood. They want to get a chance to score first because if you score first, you have a distinct advantage. Yeah. Elijah says, we don't even have a point have a toss. I'm going to let you guys go first. Now watch. They say, okay, this is awesome. Now watch your Bible. Verse number 26. And they took the bullock, that is the prophets of Baal, which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, oh, Baal, hear us. By the way, it must have sounded kind of like yesterday. Oh, you know, whatever. Anyway, oh, Baal, hear us. Watch the rest of it. But there was no voice nor any that answered, and they... What's the next word they did? What on the altar? They what? They Okay, now stay with me. It sounds like they're doing a barbecue. It sounds like they're doing this. They're jumping on the altar. Okay? Now, this is important, and I, I am a word nut. I love languages. I love the biblical languages. Biblical Greek, biblical Hebrew. Mm -hmm. The word that is translated leaked is technically the same word I pointed out to you earlier. The word halt. Now it doesn't mean they haven't crawled up on the altar. They have. Yeah. But once they're on top of the altar, they're not jumping. They're limping. Yeah. Literally, the word leap is the word limped. They got up on the altar and with the J, they're, they're limping around. Now I want to ask a question. Why all this conversation about limping? They're in that cancer. Don't you watch your Bible? They limped upon the altar that was made. Now watch verse 27. It came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. He's talking about Baal. Hey guys, cry a little louder, for he's a God. Either he's talking, I love this, or he's pursuing, or he's in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awake. You ever thought about that? Guys, cry a little louder. You're not getting Baal's attention. Maybe he's gone on a trip. And you need to get his attention. I love this one. Maybe he's talking, having a conversation again, or the best one. Maybe he's asleep and needs to be waked up. Would you want to serve a God that needed to take a nap? He got so tired he needed to take a nap. Listen, the Bible says about our God, he never slumbers nor sleeps. He doesn't need to take a nap because he's a powerful God of heaven. Elijah, this is awesome. Maybe your deity is taking a nap and you need to wake him up. So cry a little louder. What's more funny than that suggestion is what the people do. They actually do what he suggests. Look if you would please. At verse 28, and they cried aloud. But they didn't just cry, they cut themselves. What are the next three words? After their manner. The word manner means custom. 
with knives and lancets. A lancet's a sword. Till the blood did what? Gushed out. Guys, I want you to watch something. They get up on top of that altar and they whip out their knives, their swords, and they start cutting themselves. After their That is, friends, this was not the first time they had gone through this ritual. This is a custom, it's a habit. Trying to get the attention of a deity that doesn't even exist. Why is there so much discussion about limping? How long limping between two events? They limp on the altar that was made. Well, Jane, here's my contention. They have so mutilated their bodies through this custom of cutting that they can't even walk straight in. They're running around in worship to a deity that doesn't even exist. Guys, please hear me. What we're watching here is faith. Tremendous faith. The problem is it is misplaced faith. Brother, you know as well as I do, we can put our faith in all kinds of stuff and it can be a great faith. People all the time believe, you know, if I'm baptized in water, that'll wash my sin away. Can I say this? Water, physical water, does not wash your sin away. Can I hear an amen? amen. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, baptism is a picture of what's happened already inside your heart and life. But the water itself does not wash your sin. Well, you know, if I can be good enough, I can earn my way to heaven. And you can put your faith in your good works. Can I say this? You have all the faith in the world that my good works are going to get me into heaven. But it's not going to get you into heaven. Yeah, By the way, I can have all kind of faith in my knowledge of something. By the way, uh, anybody here an electrician? Electrician? Oh, we have some mechanical engineers. Okay. Can I tell you what I was doing a couple years ago in our country? Uh, we we have a, a forty foot, fifty foot trailer, and uh, it takes a special plug when you pull into a location to operate. You know, the washer, the dryer, the electricity, the air conditioner, one of those big trailers it takes a special kind of plug and two hundred and forty volts of electricity, about one hundred twenty. And so uh, I learned this: you can take three prongs of a of a plug. You know, you got a hot wire, you got a neutral, you got a ground, and you can wire them into a breaker box in our country. Just direct wire in, and you can get power. The problem is, I don't know how to do that. In fact, I don't know enough about electricity to try that. So I was watching a guy do this one time, and he was wiring those three wires in, you know, to give us power. And I'm asking him questions: What's that right there? And he said, Well, that's the ground wire. And I said. Why are you putting it right there? And he said, well, that's me this. He explained all that. And with every question, I'm getting closer and closer. Put my finger a little closer. And finally, I got ready to put my finger on a particular wire. And when I he slapped my hand out of the way. I said, man, why did you do that? He said, well, what were you getting ready to do? I said, I was going to touch that wire right there. He said, Dave. Dave, you can't touch that inside. That's a live wire. That's live electricity. He said, you can touch that. He said the power would have gone out inside the trailer. Your wife would wonder what's going on. And you'd be fried into a piece of crispy bacon out here. <laughs> you can't touch that. I didn't know. I was sincere. But I was about to be sincerely dead. You know what I'm talking about? I didn't know. People put their confidence in all kinds of things and they're sincere as they do. But if you're sincerely wrong, you're in trouble. These people have put all kind of confidence in a God that doesn't even exist. Now I want you to watch again verse number 29. And it came to pass when midday was past 
that they, the prophets of Baal, prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was no voice, neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. Heavens are silent. Watch verse 30. And Elijah said unto all people, unto all the people, come, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And watch this. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour them on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. He said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and he filled the trench with water. Wow. He's making it virtually impossible for this sacrifice to be burned. Look again now at verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, right, right on schedule, the way the evening sacrifice was to take place, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, now I want you to watch, here's his prayer, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant, that I've done all these things according to thy word or at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. By the way, if you counted, it's 63 words. It took me less than 40 seconds to read that. Prophets of Baal have screamed and cried all day long. No answer. Elijah prays 63 words. Watch the response. Verse 38, Then the what of the Lord fell? Fire of the Lord fell. Consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Who's God? Who'd they say? The Lord, Jehovah, He is the God. The Lord, Jehovah, He is the God. Wow. Would you agree with me? That's awesome. Won't you look at chapter 19? After a great victory, chapter 19 verse 1 says, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with a sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Plain English, you think you did what you did to my prophets of Baal or something? Buddy, I might have your head by tomorrow. Now this is one woman. Elijah has just faced 850 prophets. He's now threatened by one woman. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, And when he, Elijah, saw that, the that is the threat that comes from Jezebel, he arose and said, Bring it on, sister. Is that what it says? I wish it said that. It doesn't, though. Look at it. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life. And came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, left his servant there. But he himself, when a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die. And said, It's enough now, O Lord, take away my life. Please note this next phrase. For I am not better than my father's. Now what he's saying is this. Lord, you may as well kill me because I'm no better than my ancestors. Remember we talked about Elijah being from a nowhere place? That's what he's reminding us. You don't want nobody from nowhere. Now, Lord, you may as well kill me. Let me ask you a question. How 
how do you go from defeating 850 men to running from one woman? Dave, you don't know what kind of woman this woman Jezebel was. Man, she's a piece of work. I understand, but she's more than one. In less than 24 hours, and guys, here's one thing. He goes from victory to defeat. What I love about conferences like this is we come, God works in our heart, we get fired up, we go home, we're not careful. Two days, five days, two weeks. We go from the mountaintop to the valley. How does that happen? By the way, I don't want, when I go back to America, I don't want to go from this mountaintop that we've enjoyed these days into any valley. Do you? No. Well, then how do we keep from going from the top to the bottom? Elijah did it in less than 24 hours. Well, let me show you why that happened to him, and hopefully if we learn why that happened, we'll not repeat what he did, okay? Look, if you would, please, at chapter 19, verse number 3. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. Now, look up at me for a minute. The first thing Elijah does, and it was a terrible mistake. We make a mistake, too. He went from victory to defeat because he forsook something that got in his victory. What he forsook was prayer. In chapter 17, chapter 18, Elijah says, King, it's not going to rain unless I say so. That's all we have in the Old Testament. King, it ain't going to rain unless I say so. For three, almost three and a half years, it doesn't rain. What the Old Testament does not tell us is something the New Testament does tell us. In the book of James, the Bible says this, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. Listen to this next phrase, yet he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, James says. So guys, before he ever walked in to in Ahab and said, it isn't going to rain unless I say so, the New Testament tells us something the Old Testament doesn't, and that is Elijah had had a serious prayer meeting. He had gotten assurance from God that when I say to the king it ain't going to rain, he literally isn't going to rain. So he prayed. Chapter 19, verse 3, when the threat comes from Jezebel, there is no record in the Old Testament, no record in the New Testament that he prays about that at all. All he does is gets up and runs. So guys, may I say this? Some of you, and we just had a wonderful prayer time just moments ago. Some of you have been praying, oh God, work in my life during these days at the conference, and God has done precisely that. When you get home, I hope you won't forsake the kind of praying you've been doing leading up to this conference. Not only did he forsake prayer, he did a second thing. I want you to look at chapter 19, verse 3 again. Very, very important. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life. When he saw that, what is the that? The that is the threat that came from Jezebel. Now stay with me, guys. This is so critical. Not only has he forsaken prayer, number two, he's focused on his problem. The problem at this point has to be a woman named Jezebel. When he saw that, when he saw it, it means when he had thought it all through, fully considered the ramifications of who this woman was, how powerful she is, the threat she poses, what she could do to me, when he considered all that, when he saw that, 
He takes off running. Can I say this? Up here have been posted some problems. Fear, anxiety, language at work, pornography, depression, abusing sleep medication, and a host of other things. Can I say this? These are the problems that need to be left here when you leave the conference. You don't need to go home and start focusing on them again. Are you with me? Yeah, that's right. Because God's greater than any of those problems. Don't you think Elijah should have said, you just gave me victory over 850 prophets and an entire nation watched the victory. What is one woman compared to you by your power? God is able to overcome any problem with God. So what are we going to focus on? The power of God or our problem? Elijah focused on the problem rather than the power of God. There's one final thing he did. Not only did he forsake prayer and focus on his problem, look at chapter 18, the end of the chapter, verse number 38. I want you to see this, guys. This is so important. I was reading through this a number of years ago, and it just jumped off the page at me, and I realized what was going on. Verse 38 says, Then the fire of the Lord fell, consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood, the stones, dust, lift up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He's the God, the Lord, He's the God. It sounds like they're turning from false worship to the God of heaven, doesn't it? However, look at verse 40. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them and brought them down to the brook Kishon, and what did they do with them there? Slew them. Now look up at me for a minute. If these guys are turning to the Lord, why does Elijah say, don't let any of them live? Well, they're saying, Dave, the Lord's God. They're turning to the Lord. No, they're not. By the way, names and words mean things. Anybody ever looked at Elijah's name? Pretty interesting name. It's a compound word. Elijah. Eli, Eli is an abbreviation for the word Elohim. By the way, that's the Hebrew term for God. Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heaven and the earth. Eli is an abbreviation, a shortened version of Elohim. Jah, J A H, is an abbreviation, a shortened form of the word Jehovah. Jehovah, the personal name of God. So it literally means the Lord in all caps. Jehovah, Elijah, literally means the Lord is God. Look at what they say when the fire falls. Jay, they're not turning to the Lord at all. They're chanting Elijah's name. Now, I don't know if any of you follow boxing like I used to. Does the name Muhammad Ali mean anything in your name? Okay? Uh, to me, to me, brother. Said, I thought, you know, honestly, a, a revival in my heart and soul would just be you know, a couple of things happening in the course of a year. Number one, if my Miami Dolphins football team won the Super Bowl, that would be awesome. Okay, that'd be the first thing for a If Notre Dame, which is a college football team uh, in the States, which I despise, if they lost every game, then that'd be the start of a revival. And then if Muhammad Ali could just get his head knocked off, I mean, that'd be the heart in my soul. Because he was so arrogant. You know, if you remember, you know, if you followed him, I mean, he was so arrogant. When he fought Joe Frazier the first time, back in 1974, he had these red tassels on his boots, and you know, he got he actually lost that fight. That Joe Frazier knocked him out, and Muhammad Ali said, I didn't take the fight seriously. He said, Look at the boots, I had these kind of silly tassels on. He said, I didn't take Frazier seriously. He said, But the next one, I will. And boy, did he take Frazier seriously. They fought in Manila in the Philippines, and Muhammad Ali nicknamed it the Thriller in Manila. Does anybody 
Anybody remember that? Yeah. And he took Joe Frazier down. And then he began to fight all these other lesser name fighters and begin to win and just develop a reputation as being the world heavyweight champion. Indeed he was. When all of a sudden over the world stage, the boxing stage, walked a guy unlike anybody had ever seen. In fact, when he fought Joe Frazier, Joe Frazier had shaved his head. Come on, Brother Brian. If you shaved his head, you know. And when this guy fought Joe Frazier, I'm not kidding, Brother Brian. He packed such a powerful punch. When he walked into the ring, I mean, he looked like a machine. looked like he'd been chiseled out of a piece of granite. And I thought, look at that specimen of humanity. And he left literally visible welts, raised places on Joe Frazier's bald pate. His name was George Foreman. Does that name ring the bell in Oh, we must have people in America and around the world know George Foreman from the George Foreman group. You know what I'm talking about? He's kind of a rotund guy. Can I tell you, in 1974, George Foreman wasn't rotund. He had, a, he had not a six-pack. He had a six-pack. He was ripped. Had muscles in his arms. He had a huge fro. And they set up a fight between him and Muhammad Ali. And I thought, Muhammad Ali's going down. And he's going down big time. But Ali was the master. He developed an approach to that fight called the rope ability. Anybody remember the rope ability? What he did was he just laid on the ropes, put his gloves up like this, his elbows to protect his midsection, his gloves up around his temples and his face so that Foreman couldn't get to him either his midsection or even to his face. And he just laid on the ropes for eight rounds. For eight rounds, George Foreman did this. He spugged. I mean, he's a big way to make her punches. And all he just blocked all of it. His arms had to be bruised the next day. But I remember when they went into the eighth round. Ollie comes out, retreats to the ropes. He's laying on the ropes. Foreman is smuggling away. And you could tell Foreman's massive arms were getting heavy. All of a sudden, not seen this before, Ollie goes from this to a flash of a jab and pop Foreman's head back. Boy, you could see it. You could tell all he knew it. Foreman has nothing left. No gas left in the tank. And from one jab came another one. And Foreman started backing across the ring. And Holly comes in with a few more jabs. And then that incredible right cross. And caught him. And Foreman went down. The crowd starts chanting, Ali. 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 And he went to a crescendo. And Ali won. You know exactly what's happening on that front when the fire falls? They're not turning to God. They're chanting Elijah's name, which means the Lord is God. Elijah! 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 You know what they're saying, guys? Elijah, you pulled the fire out of heaven. Baal is the fire God. So what we want you to do, Elijah, is now be our new leader. In leading us in the worship of Baal, and Elijah said, you take these birds and don't you have one of them escape. You carry them down to the brook Kishon. You sleep. Because they're not living. Less than 24 hours later, <coughs> Elijah goes from that great victory to running from one woman. Why? Brother Brown, I believe this with all my heart. The Elijah chant did something to him. He's not only forsaken prayer and focused on his problem, but he's doing a very serious thing. Guys, this is so important. Please don't miss it. He's flirting with something. 
He's flirting with a passion. That's spelled P-R-I-D-E. Fellas, what I believe happened is this. Because it's stunning. If you read the rest of chapter 18, they're chanting, Elijah, Elijah. And you know what he does? He runs off of Mount Carmel. Outruns the king's chariot. He says, King, you better get off here. I hear rain coming. Outruns the king's chariot. It's amazing. They're chanting, Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. What I believe he flirted with was pride. He started believing. Wow, that's pretty awesome. What I just did. I mean... My 63 word prayer full fire out of heaven. And not 24 hours later. You got guess. You know the Bible says this pride precedes destruction? The Holy Spirit goes before a fall. You don't fall before <coughs> you're going to fail in about 24 hours or less. Guys, may I say this? God's been good to us during these days, hasn't He? God's worked in our lives. Yesterday, God used you mightily in the city center. Please, when you get home, please today, don't flirt with any passion of your flesh, especially pride. Wow, you know what? You're pretty cool. Now, I want to say something for the benefit of Brother Brian and myself. Please don't misunderstand me. Please don't stop making these comments because your preacher needs to hear it. But people will come up to you once in a while and they say, wow, that was an awesome message. God worked in my heart. I want you to understand, I appreciate when I hear that. So does Brother Brian. But I want you to understand, as much as I can humanly, when I hear that, I'll say, well, thank you for being so kind. Your kind words are a blessing. But I want you to understand, it's God that does the work. Preachers, they're up there. Can go down, can't they? Don't forsake prayer, pray more after today. Amen. Don't focus on your problems. Focus on the power of God after today. Amen. Whatever you do, don't you flirt a little bit with any passion, especially that thing called fire. Father, I pray you speak to us today. And Lord, we know the Word of God says all these. Old Testament examples were written for our admonition, for our encouragement. We upon whom the ends of the world has come. Lord, you included this entire scenario with Elijah's great victory on Mount Carmel. His stunning defeat less than 24 hours later. Lord, you put all that into the Word of God to help us understand we need to avoid the mistakes Elijah made. And Lord, the mistakes he made are crystal clear in the Word of God. If we'll just study a little bit more. He forsook prayer. He focused on his problem, the threat that came from one woman. Then, Lord, he flirted with that incredibly subtle and insidious thing called pride. Please, oh God, don't let any one of us in this room do that. Because, Lord, you are the doer of any good and lasting work, and you alone are worthy of all the adoration and praise. And, Lord, we are just humbled that you would even consider using us in your work. So, Father, I pray these young people, every one of them, would walk humbly with you. Lord, not in a way defeated, but, Lord, confident in your ability. But, Lord, putting no confidence in their own, but confident in your ability to give them victory. And, Lord, I pray you would help those of us who are in the ministry to do the same thing. Lord, you are an amazing God. And the fact that you use us at all is a stunning thing to me. But, Lord, you deserve all the glory.
and all the praise and all the honor. And so, Father, may we walk humbly with you, I pray. Now bless the remainder of our day. Bless in all that will follow. Bless in the morning message, the singing. And Father, as these young people begin to make their way home over the course of this day, would you give them safety on the highways? And may they go, Lord, with truth burned into their conscience that they've heard here in this place. And Lord, may they never forget it. And Lord, if you tarry another year, and this conference occurs again, Father, I pray every young person here would reconvene here at Bethel Baptist Church in the city of Birmingham, England. And Father, I pray that 12 months from now, every one of us would be further along in our walk with you, that we would not have retreated at all, that, Lord, we would be more mature than we've ever been, filled with your Spirit more than we've ever been, and, Lord, walking in the power of God more than we ever have. And we'll give you glory for it all.